0: 20 minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello everybody
1: welcome to another episode of the pack a podcast your one-stop shop for all Packers news and analysis from friends and fans of the green and gold my name is Mike Wenland. joining me as always Tyler Grizzagore from a couple time zone time zones over and Tyler, how's your Fourth of July week been going? and are you ready to talk some cornerback play?
0: Uh, my Fourth of July has actually been pretty, pretty relaxing. I haven't done much of anything to be honest with you. I'm not I'm not out there in typical Fourth of July fashion cooking out and um, you know, sitting by the pool and stuff. I'm not really doing that. Uh, just didn't really happen this year. I think it's probably because it fell on a Thursday. Uh, but this corner group, I can't actually wait to talk about it because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about, and I actually had a lot of fun putting this list together, going through um, the the opponents for the Packers for the 2019 season and just kind of getting a quick glimpse at who they're going to be facing, at least the receiver group, uh, who they're going to be facing this year.
1: No, I agree with you. I did the, the exact same thing. Uh, I went through all the opponents, looked through their rosters and just – there, there is a lot of talented corners. My, my final list ended up being like 35 names, and I pairing that down to 10 was very, very tough. And I'm pretty sure we have essentially the same top 10, just in a different order. So we made our uh, combined list, and I do like the list that we did come up with as well. There's a lot of other names as well. And for those of you who who haven't been paying attention or uh, were off the podcast for a little bit, we've been, as a group, going through position by position for the top 10 opponents at per position that the Packers would be facing over the 2019 season, and Tyler and I did get the cornerback group, and there's a lot of All Pro nods, a lot of Pro Bowl nods, and a lot of accolades and name recognition among these top ten corners, and it is quite the daunting list. Maybe a little more daunting if it had been 2013, 2014, but still a very tough list in, a, in and of itself from players the Packers are going to have to play this year, especially Devonte Adams.
0: Yeah, he's going to get, he's going to earn that contract this year. That's for certain. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I think at least eight of these guys, if not nine of them, on our top ten will be dev- matched up almost exclusively on Adams as the season goes on. So I guess with that being said, we might as well just hop right in. We'll start with some guys that aren't in our top ten, but guys just to pay attention to. There's a lot of young guys, including guys like Dante Jackson in Carolina, DeAndre Baker from the Giants, uh, Gary and Conley in Oakland still there, Fabian Moreau, Jordan Lewis, sydney jones there's a lot of young corners who are on their way up they're not top 10 yet but tyler what are your odds of some of these guys maybe jumping into like a top 10 list as the year goes on
0: yeah i think out of the guys that you just mentioned there dante jackson is well on his way into that that discussion as is gary and conley uh if you if you kind of look back at oakland's year last year he really kind of started to put together Uh, A really solid campaign last year and I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, in 2019 with yet another NFL offseason under his belt. Uh, He's a guy that I think we'll be talking about pretty highly uh, going into the 2020 season next year. So uh, you know Dante Jackson, Gary Conley, DeAndre Baker is gonna be a rookie but he's gonna be asked to do a lot for that Giants defense. Um, Sidney Jones I think we could probably still call him uh, a relative rookie. He didn't play most of last year I think he got maybe got some snaps at the end of the year you can correct me on that if I'm wrong Jordan Lewis has been really good again aside of another guy that we're going to talk about here in a little bit uh and then Fabian Moreau uh with Quinton Dunbar uh with Josh Norman in Washington but uh, we'll talk about Josh Norman a little bit later but Fabian Moreau uh, another guy who's been who's kind of who's kind of young but he's got some hype to him and uh just there's a lot of potential in, in the second tier, I guess we could call it, of corners. Uh and if they start putting it together, it could make this the schedule even harder for these Packers receivers.
1: Yeah, I'm really intrigued by Sidney Jones. Uh he came in as a almost top ten caliber pick before he got hurt in the lead up to the draft. And I look back at that Washington Huskies secondary when you had Sidney Jones, Kevin King, Buddha Baker, uh Taylor Rapp was a young, young kid on that team as well. That secondary was just absolutely stacked, and Jones was seen as the best of them until he had, until he got hurt, and Philly may be, have gotten a steal with picking, with drafting him and letting him stash for a little bit. It was a strategy that the Trent bulky 49ers tried for year after year after year, and none of them worked. This one looks like it may be actually going a team's way with Sidney Jones, and along with the other guys, I agree, I agree with you. Jordan Lewis— he may he has problems with his height that hurt him a little bit as far as how he matches up against some of these top flight like, guys like I don't think he's gonna do well against bigger stronger receivers like Devonte Adams or like a Julio Jones if they had to play Atlanta things like that but Jones uh, Conley I think he said is on the verge of making that jump and Dante Jackson is a very popular pick to be a Pro Bowler this year and it's gonna be very interesting to see how these guys. Really develop as these as the, some of these older names that are going to be on our list start to hit the wall, so to speak. Maybe they start to fade off a little bit, and as they get into their thirties and as they continue to age out of the NFL, so to speak. Uh, that being said, as well, we did have three honorable mentions that just missed on our top ten list. And I want to double check to see if any of them made my top ten. No, they were they were my next three guys or three of my next six as well just outside the top ten, and that's Ronald Darby, Kendall Fuller. And Jason Verrett. And I guess uh, Darby inconsistency for me is a big thing. He's at times going to be very hit or miss. Uh, Kendall Fuller, a very good young corner. That was a steal to get him in the Alex Smith trade by Kansas City. That was just an absolute fleecing. And Jason Verrett, I guarantee you, would have been on this list if he had ever been able to stay on the field. He's, He's the Kevin King up the West Coast.
0: I I don't want to put Kevin King in his category yet, but I understand what you're trying to get at with, with that. It's just that he's got all the potential in the world. Uh, he, he's actually shown already that he can be, I would probably say, an all-pro level corner. He just can't stay on the field. Uh, it, it's actually very sad to see because he just has so much potential. But I think uh, he's landed in San Francisco now. I think that's where we had him pegged. And if, if he's able to stay healthy with... with the rest of that secondary, that could be a very good group.
1: No, absolutely. And that's that keyword there with not only him, but also, also his running mate at corner, staying healthy. that, Well With that being said, it might as well just hop right into our top 10. This is quite the list of guys and only one repeat team. So only one team, if I, my, my if my comprehension is right, since I just have last names in front of me, has two players in this top 10. Ah, uh, coming in at number ten of the corners the Packers have to face this year is Byron Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Jones, one of the one of the most recent combine marvels, he dominated everything coming out of I think it was UConn, and and coming uh, came in as a safety, uh, really couldn't find his niche at that position with Dallas. They moved him to corner last year, and he really stepped up and held his own and really helped balance that team after Orlando Scandrick started to fade away and Morris Claiborne had left and. Although their corners had really struggled a little bit. And Jones really solidified that group. And with his size and speed combo, he is a guy who's just getting better and better as he gets adjusted to that position a bit more. And he's a guy who I think is going to be climbing this list as well very quickly with with all the skills that he has. And Dallas may finally have a first-round pick that is panned out on defense.
0: Yeah, and he's going to be... Uh, getting most of the wide receiver one duties, so he's going to get his true test this year. Uh, another guy that Dallas has in their secondary who could be on the rise, a second former second round pick, Chidobe Awuzie. You know, again, the secondaries that are being built around the NFL are just becoming so much more deeper and so much better uh, at the one, two, and three position on the depth chart. Uh, Byron Jones, though, he he he's almost tailor made for that for that zone system that they run in in Dallas and. He, he just, um, to me, obviously, he was a combine darling. he He's still kind of learning the position. Obviously, uh, he's kind of gotten a good handle on it. We put him in our top ten for uh, uh, opponents that the Packers are going to face, specifically the receivers. And I, 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 I'm excited to see what he can do. But at the same time, I do feel like Devontae Adams is maybe going to be able to have his way with him just because he's still kind of learning the position um, and some of the intricacies of that.
1: You no, know, that, that's the big thing with Jones. I agree with you on that 100% is that his technique at times can be a little bit off and he relies a little too much on his athleticism at times, but when he is on, when he has matched up, he did a pretty good job against guys like Beckham in years past. I think, I think it's going to be a, a fun test for Adams, but I do think the edge would go to Devonte Adams, which would happen with, I think all of these, but Jones is, is a good uh, start for that as well. Uh, coming in at number nine on our top ten corners for the Packers to face is a guy I've seen plenty of having lived in Iowa for a long time, and that's Desmond King of the L.A. Chargers. This guy, how is he a third-day pick? He He's an elite returner. He is a a great corner. He's, a, he's one of the best tackling corners I've seen in the NFL in, in the last couple years. This guy has already stepped up as a top 10 corner, potentially in the NFL, and he is is only getting better. And he's going to be a guy that he's not going to be dealing with Devonta Adams as much. He'll be dealing with a lot of these young guys and guys like Geronimo Allison and MVS and EQ. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with the physical play that he brings and just the savvy play he brings. He, he came in almost like a veteran as a rookie. He was mature way beyond his years as a corner, and he's a guy who is only getting better.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to that Chargers game because it's going to be a, an incredibly tough game, even though it's not until November. Uh, it's going to be, you know, towards the end of the season when hopefully everything's already kind of rolling and clicking for this team, um, for both teams, I guess. But that that Chargers game could potentially be the barometer of ex- exactly how good both the offense and the defense are. The Chargers, once again, uh, I said this last year and I they kind of fell short, obviously, but... This Chargers team, again, is very... It's Super Bowl caliber, and it's very, very possible that they make a run in the AFC this year. And a big reason for that is their secondary. You know, when you start talking about guys like Derwin James on the, in the back end, and then you have you have Casey Hayward, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and Desmond King, two of the, I would probably say, if not elite, very, very good corners in the entire NFL. Uh, it's It's just... How do you how do you beat that? Sometimes sometimes you just get simply outmatched. So I'm excited to see what uh, Lafleur has cooking to kind of deal with with this vaunted secondary uh, of the Chargers and not not only their secondary their pass rush. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what the Packers do to kind of counteract the strengths of that Chargers defense.
1: Yeah, that might be a game where you run the ball a lot and negate the pass rush. But didn't even think they had Jason Verrett in last year as well before he got hurt. So that's that was a great trio there. Uh, coming in at number eight, we go from West Coast to East Coast. and Now to the NFC East, we get Josh Norman of the Washington Redskins. And still kind of baffling how he got away from Carolina, but Norman, one of the more confident corners you will see in the NFL. He, hasn't, he wasn't the lockdown guy in Washington that he was in Carolina. He's still very good. But there's times where he is a little inconsistent. I've seen some mental lapses with him at times, and he has shown the ability to be beaten by some of these get some of these receivers. And I think Devonte Adams is a, a very rough matchup for him. So I wonder if they would maybe move uh, a, maybe a little bigger corner onto Adams and maybe trust Norman to kind of branch around and try and negate these other receivers and let Adams get all his targets, but then don't let anyone else beat you.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely something we could see that, that Washington secondary, like we talked about earlier uh, there's, there's quite a bit of talent on the back end of it. Um, and, A guy like Josh Norman, I think one of his best strengths is actually the mental part, and not necessarily his mental uh, acumen and the way he plays the game, but just the way that he goes about playing the game. Uh, When we talk about the corner position, something like swagger is so important at the position. You just need somebody who is super confident, who knows that they're going to go out there, they're going to make you, as in the receiver, beat them every single play, every single snap. And eventually that kind of gets into guys' heads. And some of the best receivers in the NFL don't let it. But that's why you see guys always getting a little bit, uh, we'll say, pushy with Josh Norman because he's always just kind of irking them, kind of getting them off their game, maybe messing them up mentally, making them make mistakes. And that's kind of why he he is able to maintain his, uh, we'll call it, very, very good corner status in the NFL.
1: Yeah, there's no better example of, of any quarter getting in a player's head than Josh Norman and Odell Beckham. That was something that I had never seen before that much, and Norman shows that he has that knack of getting under your skin, and if he does that this year, that could be very interesting things against Washington, who is remains to be seen what they can do as a team this year. Now, coming in at number seven, we finally get into the NFC North, and this was a name I actually had, I think, a lot higher than you did, and that's Kyle Fuller. Of the Chicago Bears, I had him at number four in my list. So uh, I guess you're not as as high and Kyle Fuller as as I am. But Fuller, after getting his uh, offer sheet matched by the Bears, turned in a very good year last season. And he is he had a down year in his second year, but since then he's bounced back and gotten better and better and better. And he's a guy on a very good Bears defense can be a difference maker in that secondary, especially because I'm not sure what they're going to get from the safety play with two freelancers out there with Jackson and HaHa Clinton-Dix. Fuller's going to be on an island a little bit more, I think, than last year, which could cause problems, but the talent and the ball skills are there for him to be a difference maker.
0: They really are. Uh, you know, you mentioned that he's kind of starting to put it all together. He was really inconsistent from his rookie year to his sophomore year, to the junior year, and to the, then to you know, his, his fourth year, and then eventually it kind of all clicked for him, and I think he's kind of figured it out. I'm really, I think the reason I was a little bit lower on him than you were, I wasn't, I don't know how low I was on him. I think he was like eight or nine on my list. But when, when you start to put it together consensually, uh, there's just a handful of guys who I would rather put in a position than Kyle Fuller. And especially because he's lived his last, uh, I don't remember exactly when Vic Fangio got there, but it's about the last three or four years under Vic Fangio. And I'm really curious to see how Pagano uses him and the kind of aggressive or non-aggressive mindset. I know Paga- Pagano is supposed to be an aggressive play caller, but we'll see if if he chooses to pursue that same uh, same method of defensive play calling. And we'll see if Fuller is still able to thrive under Pagano. And I just didn't have the confidence in him being able to do that. Uh, hopefully, he proves me wrong. I would never wish you know uh, ill. Ill performance is upon a player, but I just don't know if Fuller is going to be able to fully embrace that new system right away, Uh, considering how he kind of struggled that rookie to sophomore year. We'll see what he can do with a new defensive coordinator.
1: And before we move on, a quick last question on Fuller, because I know you watch uh, those Packers-Bears games uh, more than I have when it comes to watching the tape. Is he a guy who needs a lot of safety help over the top? Because I I keep going back to the Bears' safeties, because I think that could be a weakness this year, because they don't have that steady, strong safety anymore is Fuller going to be okay if he's by himself
0: on an island on one side of the field? Well, that's the, that's the thing about the bears defense. The, the glorious, that's the glorious, the best part about it was the pass rush, right? So the pass rush was so good that they could throw these guys on an island and they only have to cover for three, four seconds maybe. And you can afford to be really aggressive when you, when you trust the guys behind you to have your back. So, take out Adrian Amos, the the safety net, the guy that we've been kind of hailing as the safety net of the defense, and a guy that you trust to make the play if you can't. Is is Eddie Jackson going to be that guy for the Bears? I think that's the question to answer. And the question that Kyle Fuller needs to ask is, do I trust these guys to make that play? Should I get too aggressive and mess up? Or do I need to be a little bit more hesitant now and kind of like maybe think about the play more? And so that's kind of what I want to see from Fuller uh, going into 2019.
1: Fair enough, and a very good explanation of that as well. Rounding out the bottom half of our top ten at number six, we go back to San Francisco, and we go to an old friend, Richard Sherman. Uh, Sherman, he's getting older. He's not the player he was when he was the leader of the, the corner, leader of the Legion of Boom in Seattle. But he's still an effective corner. He's a he is one of the smarter corners in the league. A great press man corner, and it'll be interesting to see how he does with guys like Red on the other side with. A healthy San Francisco team and Sherman with is as, almost as good as it gets and I'm interested to see how Devontae Adams matches up with him.
0: Yeah, I... Uh, Richard Sherman's a guy who obviously Packers fans are very, very familiar with uh, and he's getting older but he can get away with some of uh, some of his athletic limitations, we'll call them now because he's just so smart and the good defensive coordinators will know how to use him in a way that'll still maximize his ability. Now, Devontae Adams uh, had his way with that 49er secondary um, last year, and then they switched Sherman onto him. Uh, and I don't, I don't recall Sherman necessarily shutting him down, but it kind of it did hinder uh, Adams' product productivity a little bit. Um, I don't know if Sherman's that guy anymore. I, I you know, I kind of saw that move as sherman taking control of the defense rather than him being like nobody else can cover him i'm gonna do it and so that's really what sherman provides is he's that cornerstone leader that every single defense and every single team needs and i expect him to still be a serviceable corner Uh, he's he's in our top 10 and he's in the top six because he's just so darn smart and he knows exactly where he needs to be he knows exactly when to be there he knows how to read the quarterback he knows how to read the receivers he's a, he's the one of the best zone corners if not the best zone corner in the entire nfl so even though he's going on um i think 30 or 31 years old you can correct me on that if i'm like way off base but he he's getting older but it doesn't matter because he he can still react and make a play on the ball uh, at the speed that he needs to
1: yeah, incorrect. And thanks for correcting me. Saying he is a best at his zone corner. I said press man earlier. You're right. He is. He is an elite zone corner. And the other thing that you talked about how smart he is is he also knows. And it goes back to his time in Seattle where the line on the rules is as far as grabbing and contact, and he he knows right where that is. And he can he gets away with just enough to mess with you and to get a receiver off their game on their routes just a little bit without getting himself penalized over, overly often. So. Richard Sherman, like you said, as smart as it gets and as good a zone corner as you will find. So there's our 10 through 6 as we jump into the top 5. Here's one where I think we really differed. I had this guy down at 9, and I almost didn't put him in my top 10 at all. And that's Janoris Jenkins from the New York Football Giants. Just because I think Jenkins, a couple years ago, he was great. He He showed the guy why he was so good at all the colleges he played for. But he really kind of tailed off last year. He became very inconsistent. He It's almost a time seemed, his compete level really dropped. And on a, a really bad Giants team this that we're expecting this year, I don't know if he's going to keep that level of intensity up that we saw back when they were a playoff squad and whether he they can trust him to be the guys that continue to try and ship guys out who are part of that old regime. So I don't know if he's going to be that guy that we've seen over the past years.
0: And, that, and that's more than a fair assessment. And it's something I definitely considered. I just think as far as talent goes, and maybe he's hungry this year. Maybe he's hungry to kind of get back to where he was two years ago. I do, like when when I see Janoris Jenkins on the schedule, he's a corner that actually strikes a little bit of fear into me because he's a guy that can take your number one wide receiver and he can put them on an island and he can do he can cover so many different types of receivers and i think ultimately that's kind of why i had him so high on my list i think i had him at number two or three on my list because he can take Devonte adams and he could put him on a on an island you know for lack of a better word and I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm just saying he has the ability to. And you're right. This Giants team, we're expecting it to be terrible. It shouldn't be. They should not be competitive. And maybe, maybe the defense can find a way to be. I don't know. They tried. They traded away Olivia Vernon. Uh, they didn't really add a whole lot as far as uh, veteran talent that I can think of. I'm pretty sure I'm missing somebody, though. They did add a significant player, and I can't remember who it was. Other than uh, de- the, the defensive tackle from Clemson, uh, Dexter Lawrence, and, um, and DeAndre Baker, you know the, the defense is kind of lacking. So maybe we're going to see him struggle to kind of have the desire to be putting 100%, 110% in. I'm not sure. But on talent alone, I understand he's been inconsistent the last year or so. I think he kind of gets it back together, and maybe he's not a top 10 corner in the NFL again, but I think he's top 10 on this list of corners that we have.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, Jenkins, when he's on, is very, very good. And I I, I hope we see it because I do like seeing corners and receivers both playing each other at their best, and a Jenkins-Adams matchup is a lot of fun to watch. At number four, we go back to the NFC North, and... Here's a guy who might have been number one coming into last year, but he had a rough season, battled some injuries, and that's Xavier Rhodes of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Rhodes, he had seemed like he was an ascending elite, elite corner coming into last season, coming off an All Pro season. He was seen as the next great uh, shutdown corner, the next Revis or so similar speak, but he had a really rough year. The roads were not closed. Uh, he got he had some really rough games in Green Bay, uh, especially that week two game. He had some really, really rough uh, coverage assignments against Adams. But when he's on, he's on. But is he going to be that guy again this year?
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you mentioned that Adams kind of took him to the cleaners, and I don't know if that's going to change. I just think that Adams has his number as a um, one-on-one matchup. But overall, Rhodes is one of the most talented corners in the NFL, and he's – Probably he's going to be an effective corner uh, you know you see, when you see the drop offs and corners for to be a con- inconsistent like completely inconsistent um, it's usually because they can't do one thing or the other. I don't really see that with Rhodes. I just think that he still was a younger player trying to put it all together and i i I see Rhodes and I still think he's a top top corner, especially in the division that's not even a question, but in the NFL as well, you know, we're talking top 10, top 12 corners in the NFL. I, I, I have no problems putting Rhodes in that discussion. And like you said, hopefully he can put it all together again in 2019. Hopefully we can get some actually good matchups between him and Adams.
1: Absolutely. And he's, he might also be playing for his future in Minnesota. There's a lot of talk of with all the crazy cap management that Spielman's been doing, whether he might be a guy that gets shipped out after this year or Trey Wayne, or so on and so forth. And we'll see if Rhodes is trying to play for his long-term Viking future as well. And that's a great incentive to really bring it, especially against a bitter rival like green Bay coming in at number three. This was my number one corner that they're facing. Uh, and I'm sure he was right up there for you as well. And that's Chris Harris of the Broncos got a new contract. He is staying in Denver and he is a guy who often goes under the radar when they talk about elite corners, because he played with a keep to when they won the Super Bowl he he hasn't he hasn't had his name called much because they teams don't throw at him but Chris Harris is technically as good of a corner as there is in the NFL he, he is footwork is is spectacular he knows how to, to bait a quarterback into a bad throw and he knows how to lock down a receiver one- on-one if that's his job for that week and I, I I have a hard time finding any flaws in chris Harris's game
0: No he's a little short. You know, for for the sake of the listener, if you're not too familiar with Chris Harris, because as you mentioned, he doesn't get he doesn't get talked about as much as he probably should be. Uh, he's a little bit older; I think he's 29 or 30. But the best comparison for him is a older Jair Alexander. So if you kind of want to look at it like that, um, in the way that they're built, the way that they play the game, uh, maybe not in swagger. I think Jair Alexander's probably got a, quite a bit more than than Chris Harris, but. He, In terms of playing style, I think you could think veteran Jair Alexander. And knowing what we have in Jair Alexander, it's very, very um, scary to be going against that. And I don't know if he has the same versatility that Jair Alexander does. Because when he entered the league, it was not necessarily you need to cover here and here and here and here. Um, Some corners could do that back, you know, we'll say five to ten years ago. But that's kind of a newer Uh, A Newer trend and a newer shift in the defensive in the defensive game. So Chris Harris is primarily an outside corner I'm not he probably could slide inside if you needed him to but he's primarily an outside corner Uh, He is a little bit shorter. So sometimes he can get beat uh, by some taller and bigger receivers But he like you everything you said he he can pretty much do anything other than probably play any position He could probably do anything else you ask him at the corner position. He's a good tackler. He makes plays on the ball He's reactive uh, I just I really can't think of a major flaw for Harris.
1: Yeah, I think cause I think he came in as a slot guy because they had a key to leave on the outside and some another veteran corner out there with him as well. But as he's gotten older, he has moved outside and he's become a great outside corner. I don't think he can go back to the slot. I think, like you said, he's a little short. Uh, his his deep speed isn't what it used to be. His agility isn't what it used to be quite. But he's still as technically good as a corner as I've seen in the league. But that, that height thing and the fact that they only see him once I may have dropped him down this list at, uh, as well. Coming in at number two, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the NFC North, uh, with the exception of maybe Jair Alexander, if he really brings it this year as well. And that's Darius Slay in Detroit. Another guy who doesn't get talked about enough. He has been very good since Detroit has put him in the lineup. He has been a lockdown corner. And it's kind of unfortunate that he plays for a team like Detroit that never really gets taken seriously by really anyone outside the state of Michigan because he is fundamentally sound. He's got the swagger you like. He doesn't make – he doesn't beat himself, and, and, and he's willing to admit when he gets beat by better receivers. He's a guy that you can build your defense around on in that secondary, and he's a guy who, to me, is a guy who I would be willing to sign in a heartbeat for any contract as a corner.
0: Well, maybe not any contract now because I think he's 28. But I, I understand what exactly what you're saying. He's everything you're looking for in a corner. I, I think you can say, that's your guy. Go cover him wherever he goes. And I think Saleh is going to get that job done. Um, class act guy. People love him around the league. Uh, he's, he's actually outspoken about Devontae Adams and said that Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers. It's not the best receiver that he's faced. And so, like, as you said, he can be honest. And I just... I think that slay is is exactly what you're talking about exactly. Everything that you're looking for in a player to lead your team and your defense. He's going to perform well, he's going to lead well, he's going to be consistent. And I, it's going to be all it's always a tough matchup when when we have to play Detroit now because since slay has kind of come out of the scene over the last 3 or 4 years and he's really kind of taken over that the leader of the Detroit defense role and the number one corner role because uh, he kind of he just does his job and he makes everybody else's jobs easier on the defense and harder on the offense.
1: Absolutely. And luckily for Packers fans, they still do have T's Tabor. So if Slay's doing his job, they can just throw on the other side. But with, with that being said, we move on to our number one corner that the Packers will be stuck facing this year. And we mentioned him briefly uh, earlier in the podcast when we talked about one of his teammates on their top 10 list. And this is a name that will definitely irk some Packer fans who, who with hind- a little bit of hindsight bias involved as well, and that's Casey Hayward of the Chargers. Because Hayward, ever since he left Green Bay, has become an elite corner. Uh, he, in Green, he had a great rookie year with the Packers, battled injuries afterwards, and it was viewed as a fine move to let him go when he left, because they had some up you know, uh, uh, young up-and-coming guys who are now in Cleveland and out of the NFL, but... Ever since he went to the Chargers, Casey Hayward has just turned it on, and he has become one of the gold standards at the cornerback position. He's one of the best ball hawks he will find at the position, and he was the, he was that in Green Bay as well, but his his game on the exterior has really grown as well. He is a guy, he is a smart player, he stays healthy, and he's really kind of become a leader of that Chargers defense that is getting better and better, and his team that is going to be reckoned with in the AFC.
0: You know, I talked about it with Darius Slay, a guy who can kind of cover every single position. You say, hey, number number 10, number 17, number 84, you're my guy, and I'm going to cover you. You're not going to catch the ball. It's exactly what Casey Hayward can do. And that's what makes him so valuable to any defense and defensive coordinator because you can just kind of plan around that. You can say, all right, you're going to man mark him and these other two guys will scheme our defense towards and we're good to go. And that is just so incredibly valuable to a team to have. It, it allows for so many more options than defensive coordinator, not only to make that number one corner's job easier, but it's just, it just makes everything so much easier. And Casey Hayward, uh, he's never really had a bad thing to say about the Packers. He kind of threw some uh, – I think he kind of threw a slight not too long ago, but it wasn't like a – it wasn't like, oh, they should have never cut me type thing. Uh, he He's always been a very respectable person in, in the NFL, and he's kind of kept to himself. He just kind of goes out and does his job, and he does it well.
1: Yeah, and and as far as attitude goes, I'm not saying by ability, but he has that Charles Woodson type attitude where – if you don't believe me, I'm going to believe in myself, and I'm going to make you pay for it. And ever since he left Green Bay and went to the Chargers, because I don't know if any any other teams really offered him as well after the bad injuries he battled, especially the hamstring stuff, he got that smaller deal with the Chargers, became an all-pro, now he's getting paid like the top corner that he is. And he's a guy where, like you said, he he's a good leader. He's a guy who you can put on any receiver you want, and he will do his best to lock them down. He's had he had – some things when it came from as far with him mostly due to uh the foot speed isn't quite there with him but he is a guy where he's savvy his footwork is impeccable and he's a guy who's 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 going to keep on working and get the job done and he's a guy who I I'm not looking forward to facing him in November it's it that's going to be a, it could be a very interesting game with Hayward and King and Derwin James and you talk about Bosa and Ingram and all those guys that could be very very tough but Casey Hayward, our number one corner that the Packers will have to face in 2019. Are there any other notable guys that you can think of that were missing that could be considered for this top 10?
0: Uh, that could be considered for the top 10. Uh, let me look at our original list, I guess, real quick. Maybe um, someone like
1: Trey Waynes or...
0: Trey Waynes, maybe. I, I, I think Trey Waynes is a bit overrated. Um, you know, Maybe we could talk about the slot guy in Denver, Bryce Callahan. There's uh, old friend Hughes Brashad Breeland. Sorry? Those are old friend Brashad Breeland as well in Kansas City. Brashad Breeland will be the second corner in Kansas City. So, you know, I don't think any of these guys were top-ten worthy. I think we did a good job, uh, as good as we could have done. And, um, yeah, I mean, the overall, the, the group is really interesting to me because – um, there's there's a handful of guys who are who are going to be good. Like I can I would be willing to put money on it. You know, you, you talk about Hayward slay, um let's see here, Hayward slay, probably Fuller, King. Those guys are going to be good. But then there's a handful of guys like Jenkins who's been kind of on and off, Sherman who's getting a little bit older, uh Norman who's getting a little bit older, Byron Jones who we talked about could kind of He's kind of he's, he has the ability to be uh, an elite corner but he's just not quite there yet and then you start looking at all the young guys we talked about with Dante Jackson DeAndre Baker Gary Conley Jordan Lewis Sidney Jones Fabian Moreau and when you start looking at those older guys and the inconsistent guys with the younger guys it could be a, it could be a really fluctuating spectrum of corner quality that we're talking about throughout the year and i think that's so interesting to me because there's only a handful of names on this list that i'm willing to bet are going to be consistently good
1: and and of course that'll all be helped by in training camp facing two very good corners themselves in jair alexander and kevin king every day for about a month and a half plus facing the texans and some of their corners as well will help a long way as well for the packers just seeing those guys in practice will help them work is like you said jay alexander is a younger version of chris harris so you can kind of learn from that type of style as well and technique but with that being said i think it's time for us to wrap things up on this edition of the pack a day podcast the top 10 corners the packers are facing in 2019 headed by old friend casey hayward so for t- so tyler grezegork where can people find you what are you working on
0: yeah so you can find me on, t- on always as always excuse me on twitter at tyler underscore uh working on a handful of things now um I'm trying to put together a Packers Twitter fantasy football league. So if you want to get into that, let me know. Uh, at the same time, uh, I've kind of focused on fantasy football. If you haven't seen that on my Twitter, uh, I've really taken a turn um, writing for a website called Dynasty Nerds, uh, doing some analytics stuff over there. Um, and then just the, just the podcast. So just Packers, Packers Twitter, the podcast, and then the website for fantasy football.
1: Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wellens. I'm getting a little more active again. I took a little bit of time off uh, focusing on on playing baseball and my job with the radio station as well. So doing stuff like that. But I'm still writing for Dairyland Express. I am currently working on some stuff that involves Packers history, uh, more as like all decade teams and all underrated teams from that era that people forget about and just kind of how to look pa- uh, back at the Packers and what made Green Bay Green Bay, and of course follow us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. They'll retweet all of our great contributors' stuff as well as well as some fun tidbits and things like that. And of course, always check out check, check out Ticket King as well. Get all your Packers, Bucks, Badgers, Brewers concert tickets anywhere you can find them. It's right there as well. So for Tyler Grizzik-Gork, this is Mike Wendland saying so long for now. We'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. But stay tuned every day for a new Packaday Podcast. And of course, as always, go Pack, go.